Father Knows Best. It's the title of today's teaching. As you kind of look into statistical analysis, the United States Census Bureau put out some stats recently that I thought were pretty sobering. started with one in four children here in the United States live without a father in their home. And as a result of that, the research shows that, that there are some effects that are happening on those children without fathers in their lives. Number one, uh, poverty is four times greater risk of poverty for those who don't have a dad or a father figure in their life. Uh, teen pregnancy goes up seven times. They're seven times more likely as a teenager to be pregnant if they don't have a father figure in their life. Uh, substance abuse uh, goes up dramatically. Uh, uh, dramatically, uh, alcohol, uh, drugs, um, um, incarceration uh, is in- increases uh, just exponentially whenever they don't have a father in our life, kids who don't have fathers in their life. Uh, uh, um, education, uh, two times more likely uh, to drop out of high school um, without a father figure in their life. There are some others that I won't put on the screens, but the presence of a responsible father improves academic performance and reduces disciplinary problems amongst children. Preschoolers were more actively involved, who have actively involved fathers are stronger with their verbal skills. Who, who knew that? And the research shows that boys with active involved fathers tend to get better grades and perform better on achievement tests. Uh, children that have uh, actively involved fathers display less behavior problems. And then the research shows as well that the, every, um, that uh, even when young children who have experienced a high father uh, you know, um, involvement in their life shows that they are increased in their curiosity and problem-solving capacity. That's unbelievable to me that that figure in our life can have that kind of ramifications. Uh, that, that we're four times more likely to live a impoverished state if we didn't have a father figure in our life. And, and, and to me, that brings the, to the point that if... If that's what a natural father can bring to our lives, how much more having the heavenly father involved in our lives? And I would say this to any single mom that, uh, who has children that maybe don't have a, a dad in their life. The Bible says it like this, that God is a father to the fatherless, that he takes care of his own. Come on, somebody. That he will cause those children to have everything they need because he will that none should perish but all have eternal life. And he is watching after what is our, uh, he's watching after our needs and caring for our children even if you're a single mom and there's not a dad involved in your, in your child's life, God the Father will be his dad and I'll promise, or her dad. And I'll promise you like this, they will go beyond anything we could ever think or imagine. Amen? So I just want to point that out to you. But how much more for you and me, how much more successful, how much more impactful will our life be on this planet when we have a genuine relationship with Father God? It was important to me today that as we dive into this teaching that you would understand that dad knows best. He actually knows best. With that key scripture being Luke chapter 12, if you'll turn there quickly in your Bibles, Luke chapter 12 verse 29, it says it like this, this is Jesus speaking, he says, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. Uh, For the pagan world runs after such things and your father knows that you have need of them. But seek first his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Your father knows that you have need of these things. God has a plan to take care of you. And that you and I would recognize that we have a father in our life that is always watching over us, always caring for us. Um, The other day, uh, a gentleman in our church named Tito, he and I are friends that go way back. And Tito is an electrician, and I've got this piece of property that we're trying to fix up. I asked Tito to come help me. And need some electrical work. And he brought his wife and their grandbaby, Sophia. And, uh, and um, you know, they're Hispanic in background. And Sophia looks like this little porcelain doll. She's got, she's got the big, big eyes. And her hair is dark and so cute. And she's got this bigger-than-life personality. So as we come in, we're in this little, you know, little rental piece of property that we're, I'm going to have to fix up. It's really bad off. And Sophia comes running in. She's two years old. And she comes running in. And it's like, oh, like I have my own giant playhouse. I mean, this, she's just running around, and she's like, look at this, and it's nasty. We're like, don't touch that, don't touch that. So I get to talking to her, and I said, Sophia, what's your favorite color? She said, mm, pink. I said, awesome. I said, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream? She goes, mm, pink. 
I said, awesome. And I said, and what's your favorite animal? She goes, mm, a pink pony. I mean, this little kid had more personality in her pinky. And then as we go to leave, you know, grandma picks her up and, and I'm squeezing on her and hugging on her. And, uh, and, and, and her grandfather comes walking up, Tito comes walking up and, uh, and her grandma says, now, who is this? And she goes, that's Pastor Adam. And then I said, and who is this? As her grandfather walks up and she goes, oh, that's Papa Daddy. And when she said it, it was like everything inside of me melted. And Tito, he starts getting big tears in his eyes. He goes, when she says that to me, he says, I want to give her everything. He said, I just want to. It just makes my life have reason and meaning. She's got a dad and her dad's involved in her life. But to have a grandfather too. And so much intimacy there that she calls him Papa Daddy. Come on, somebody. Everybody say Papa Daddy. She calls him Papa Daddy. And that intensity of relationship is really what I want to help you with today. I want you to understand that when you have Father God active in your life, things in in your life compared to other people's life will just begin to shift and make sense. And I want you to understand that God himself knows. And I want to help you understand what he knows. And I want to give you a couple thoughts on how your Heavenly Father, number one, he knows you. He knows you. You may feel like nobody really understands you. God the Father knows you. He knows what you're worried about. He knows what you're sitting around at the red light thinking about. He knows that you got that little crooked toe under that shoe that nobody sees. He knows that he knows what you're scared of and you'd be trying to act all big and bold and bad, but he knows that you're really scared of this. He knows the inner workings of your heart, your brain. He knows that you're worried about tomorrow with this thing and that thing. He knows you. So how does he know me? I'll tell you how he knows you because he created you. The Bible says very clear that he created humanity. In fact, Ephesians 1.4, which is my life verse, it says before the foundation of the earth, God picked you. I, I'm a creationist, so I believe the earth is 6,000 years old. You may believe, you know, it's millions of years old. Whatever belief system you have on that, you've got to admit it's at least 6,000 years old. So before the foundations of the earth, Ephesians 1.4 says, he picked you. That means at least 6,000 years ago, God picked you to be alive. He said that you were going to be alive in this century. You're going to live in the United States of America. He picked all of that. He would have only picked that if he had a plan for you. And he would have only picked all that because he loves you, because he created you, because he knows you. I'm really interested in Teslas right now. I think they're the coolest cars ever. I can't afford one, but I like them. I'm praying you'll start tithing more. No, I'm just kidding. But, I, but the people who created the Tesla, Mr. Tesla who came up, that they named him after you, know, the electric guy, the, those people who created that electric car, they have a dream in mind. So when I walk up to that Tesla car and, and, I, and I get to sit in it and I start pushing buttons and things like that, I, I'm wondering, what's this for? What's this for? If I, if, I, if I didn't have someone to explain it to me, I would go find the people who created it because the people who created it knew what they had in mind with that button, with that tire, with that electrical current, and God himself created you. So he knows what he has in mind. He knows you. When no one else, you think your spouse knows you, God knows you better. You think your best friend knows you, God knows you better. You think you've told the secrets of your heart to a counselor, God knows more than you've ever shared because he is your creator. He knows you. Here's the second thing you need to understand, and that is God knows what you have need of. He knows what you have need of because he's a good dad. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8 says, For your father, everybody say my father, your father knows what you have need of before you ask. Before you even ask, he already knows what you have need of. You know that, those of us that are parents. It's amazing. It's so fun to watch a kid try to fix something, and you're sitting there watching. You know they're going to need your help, but you just say, I'm going to let them figure it out for a little bit. And then when they finally go, Dad, you're like, oh, come here, baby, let me help with that. Your father knows what you have need of before you even, he knows what you need before you even know what you need. Because he created you. Because he's your dad. Because he loves you. He knows you, the inner workings of who you are. You said, nobody understands me. God does. Your dad does. Your heavenly father knows you because he made you. He made you weird like that. You said, nobody understands my little jokes. Nobody gets them. God does. He thinks it's hilarious. Because he made you. He said, nobody, nobody understands what's going on in my head. Nobody get God does because he's your dad and he made you. He knows what you are. He knows what you have need of. I, uh, <laughs> I've had this amazing experience raising kids, you know. And, uh, <clears throat> and when it comes to what we have need of, you know, my relationship with the father is r- really amazing. 
um, and I love him so much. But, you know, our children started growing up and, and going off to wanting to go to college and things like that. And so when my son came to me and uh, he said, Dad, I feel like God told me to go to DBU. I was like, son, that's not God. And he looked at me and said, son, that place is $40,000 a year. I'm a pastor. I don't have no money. And Church on the Hill is still not tithing right. They don't know how to tithe. I'm trying to teach them. Just kidding. No, I'm not. Yes. Anyway. I said, so, son, I don't know what to tell you. I, I, I don't know. And, and the Lord spoke to me. He said, why are you trying to hinder his faith? Am I not the God who supplies all your needs according to my riches and glory? What's wrong with you? Why won't you trust me in this? And I said, Lord, I trust you. So, son, let me, let's help you get a lawn business started so you can pay your way through school. So he did. We got a lawn business started. God's blessing him with that. But then what happened was he started applying for certain scholarships, and he got them. And I want you to know, he's going to graduate four and a half years at DBU and not owe a single thing. God supplies. He knows what you have need of even before you ask. So then, if that wasn't enough for him... And then all of a sudden, my daughter, who's graduating high school here at the Collegiate here in Cedar Hill, she gets, she gets this sense from the Lord she's going to go to A&M. So she applies, she gets in, and it's A&M, which is awesome, but I don't know how we're going to pay for it. I told her, baby, I love you, but uh, you might want to think about Votech. I got no money. I, I can't help you with any of this. And she said, no, the Lord's going to do it. And so she, she applied for some scholarships. She got a couple little scholarships. But it still was only about half of what it was going to cost. And the other day, two weeks ago, she comes running into the house, in the mail, and she's got this letter. I want you to know, God knows what you have need of even before you ask. I don't even know how to pray about it. I was like, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do. I just, I just want you to take care of the kids. They're your kids, Lord. I committed myself to do the ministry and minister to people, and so it's not a big income source. But, Lord God, I know you're going to take care of my family because I put my life in the palm of your hands, and you're a good father. And so that's been my prayer. I didn't know any other way, way to pray over this whole thing. God, do miracles. And so she comes running, and she's got this letter, and she says, you're not going to believe it. She starts reading it out loud. She's a, you know, one of thousands of you know, incoming students at A&M. She's not applied for this scholarship, and this thing reads, we have randomly selected you. Out of thousands of students for this leadership award that we're going to extend to you. And this comes with a scholarship for whatever amount you still owe, we will pay for it. I said, baby, sign up for that rocket science class. Go ahead and get in that nicer dorm. And while you're at it, get that book that's $150 a page. Go ahead and get that book. And get on the eight-meal-a-day plan. I'll come over there and eat with you. Your daddy knows what you have need of before you even ask. Oh, friend, you have to understand. As we celebrate fathers, we have to understand the heavenly father He wants to know you, and he wants to be known by you. Here's the third thing I would tell you that the Heavenly Father knows, and that is he knows what you need to do. He knows what you need to do. Isaiah 58, 11 says, The Lord will guide you always. He will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land, and he will strengthen your frame. He will guide you. God knows what you need to do. You're sitting here at a crossroads. You don't know what you should do. Should you sell? Should you buy? Should you change the job? Should you? you need to get with Father God because he knows what you need to do. He's got the solution and the answer. He is guiding your life if you'll just but let him. So many times we want to figure it out on our own, and we approach God as though, you know what, I got it. You know, I don't want to bug you. I know, I know millions of people. People are praying to you, so I don't want to be like interrupt you or anything. I got this. Don't worry about it. And instead of doing that, what we should do is go before the throne and say, Father, I don't know what to do. I'm concerned. I've got some choices here, but if you would just speak to me, if you will just guide me, shut the door that no man can shut, open the door that no man can open, and I'll walk in your provision, God, because you are my daddy, and I know my daddy loves me, and I know my daddy's got my best interest in mind. A couple months ago, I was in this position here with the church. You have to understand, as, as your pastor leading you, I, 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 have, I, I, I got saved different than a lot of people. I, we got saved, we were wicked, and we got saved. And when we got saved, then we became leaders. There was no in-between stuff. So my concept has been, over the years, is that you, know, you get saved, and then you lead a small group, and you preach and raise the dead. This is a good plan. What's wrong with this plan? 
That's, that's been my thought. I, I didn't really have an understanding that there are people who just kind of, you're not like that. You've you got to take some phases, you know? You've got to have a little bit of phase here in this thing before you get to there. And I'm looking at you like, what's wrong with you? You've been saved a year. You ain't prayed for nobody. You ain't led a small group. Can't even get you to serve in the kids' ministry. You're the devil. I mean, that was my, I didn't mean to. That's just the way I am, right? But I'm that personality. I like, I'm zero to 60 all the time. Like, like when I get on the interstate, get out the way because I'm coming on. I'm not, I'm not easing on. I'm ramping. It's called a ramp for a purpose. I'm gearing up. I'm, I'm coming on. And then when we're driving, my wife is always like, why are you driving so fast? Because there's a car up ahead. We got to get ahead of them. That's just my way of thinking. So, and so I, I recognize, Lord, I'm not so good at some of this. Lord, I need your help. I need you to help me. And then God began to give us a download. We're calling it DTR, defining the relationship. And we were able to identify that some people at Church on the Hill, they're just, they're just a friend of Church on the Hill. They come twice a year. They'll come at Christmas. And, 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 and they may or may not serve God yet, but they, they like us. They're friends. And then what happens is they'll take another step into family. And they'll make a decision for Jesus. They'll get water baptized. Yes, I'm a Christian. But that's as far as they can go. They'll come every now and then. They'll come once a month to service. Well, they're, they're family. We love them. If they have need of them, we'll, we'll try to help them. But they're not really in, the, in a small group. We're not able to pastor them that well. And then, and then some will take the next step with it. And they'll come to that place of committed. Well, you know what, Pastor? We, we're, we're going through the grow track. This is our church. We're members here. We want to be a part of helping. We give our tithe here. We're helping in the kids' ministry. We're helping in the, in the cafe. And you know, we're going to a a small group they're committed and so i got so mad all these years because because like look you just got you, you come into church be a part of the committee what's wrong with you and i didn't realize that there were these phases and as i began to pray god began to show me and then the commit from the committed then the next phase the lord showed us is those people that are part of the core they're the ones who say you know what this is my church and this church is going to grow this church is going to this church is going to change the world i'm going to lead a small group i'm going to lead this ministry i'm going to get involved i'm going to do whatever i have to do to advance this church and for you me you got to understand as a pastor i'm like oh i love these guys so much because they're with me i feel like they're comrades in arms and we're just shooting the devil together let's go and then i look at these guys and i'm like oh thank you so much you're helping keep bringing supplies that's great and i look at these people and i'm like i love you so much and but you're you need to do more and i look at these people and the lord had to help me to be able to say all of these areas are valuable. I, I didn't know what to do. And the Lord gave me verbiage and he gave me direction on even how to take people from this phase to this phase in our church to this phase to this phase. But I asked. He knew exactly what we needed here at Church on the Hill so that you could grow, so that you could be at peace, so I could be at peace. So I'm not looking at you. Mm-hmm, you're only coming once every year. And every time you do, all you want to do is throw up on me in the, in, the, in, the, in the foyer about all your problems. If you come regular, and I had shift. Like, oh, you're a friend. God bless you, friend. Woohoo! But just like the kids down the street, I don't take care of their kids. I take care of family. And I had to learn that. And I had to position that. He gave me that download. Because I asked, what are you looking for? What are you confused about? What do you not have answers for? That's dad's job. He knows you. He knows what you need even before you ask. And he knows where you need to go and what you need to do even when you and I don't know it ourselves. Are you with me? Say yes. And so with all of that, I've understood something. Jesus, when he was teaching us how to pray, he began to teach us the Father, our Father, prayer. And he kind of went into this teaching. So I want to teach you now to, to, for the next couple moments on how to actually engage with your Father, with your God as Father. Because some of you, maybe you didn't have a good relationship with the earthly father. And you don't realize, but you superimpose that onto your heavenly father. And so you're not really good or comfortable or skilled at having a relationship with the heavenly father. And so I want to help you here today how to begin to engage with God as your father. Number one, here's the first thing I want you to learn to do. And that is you have to settle it once and for all that he is your father. You need to sell it today. He is your father. You need to sell it. You say, well, I kind of do. What do you mean sell it here? No, some of you keep acting like you're an orphan. You're not an orphan. You, if he's your father, that means you're his son. You're his daughter. You need to sell it here and now. I may not be perfect, but I'm a son. I may, I may, I may still have sin. I may not do it all right, but I'm still his daughter. You need to sell it right now. Is he your father or not? Is he dad or not? And if you settle it here and now and come to the understanding that he's father, then that makes you a daughter, makes you a son. And friend, I don't know what maybe your earthly father was like, but the heavenly father takes care of his children. The heavenly father is preparing a place for his children. 
There are many rooms being prepared, a place where we will live with him for eternity. But you and I have to settle the fact that, number one, I am a son. I am a daughter. Some of you keep walking around with this orphan mentality, and it's so sad. An orphan mentality, you know, like, like he's y'all's God, he's your dad, but I'm kind of like not good enough to be in yet. And so you approach God with that kind of like I'm an orphan mentality. And so, so it affects the way you engage with the living God. That's why I need you to sell it right now. When you're driving it your, tr- your truck on the way to work tomorrow, you need to be able to say, Dad, I love you, and I need you like I never needed you. As you're sitting in your cubicle, and you're sitting there, and you just had a mess with that girl in the next cubicle, sweet love, you need to be able to say, Dad, get her. You need to stop acting like an orphan. See, orphans have no one who has their back. Orphans have no one who's making a way where there seems to be no way. Orphans have no one who's looking them in the eye and saying, I love you. You don't worry about this. I got this. Orphans are scrappy. Orphans try to do it all in their own ability. Orphans end up in the stats four times more likely to be impoverished. More difficulty engaging with others. Oh, but those of us who have a spiritual father, who have Father God as our daddy, friend, we can walk boldly and courageously, and we can know that he is our God and he's got our back. Are you with me? Say yes. Oh, you can do better than that. Are you with me? Say yes. Well, Jesus is teaching us that when he opens up on how to pray. He teaches us how to pray, right? Everybody knows that, that, that prayer that he taught us? Our Father who art in heaven. So he goes into this. They ask him, say, how do we engage with God the Father? He says, well, let me teach you how to pray to him. And he starts off with this little statement, opening statement, which is impactful. Our Father who art in heaven. There's such power in that statement that sometimes we skip over. First and foremost, he starts with our Father. In other words, personal. He's not just your dad. He's not just your God. He's my dad. Our Father. That speaks of intimacy. That speaks of relationship. My, my poor Islamic friends, when they talk about Allah, their God, Allah, there's no relationship. Allah is a dictator. And if they do good enough, then maybe he will extend paradise to them. But they're not 100% sure. That's what false religion does. Some of you came out of churches that gave you that sense. God's not real pleased. <laughs> if you don't repent now, mm, hellfire, hellfire, hellfire going to get you. And you were taught rules and regulations and you were not taught relationship. And so that's why you have a broken, skewed mentality of God as a father. God is a father who actually loves you. And considers you a son or a daughter. So when Jesus is teaching our Father which art in heaven. He's teaching us in that opening statement. He kind of sets some things right. First off that our God is an infinitely powerful. And he's intensely personal. So infinitely powerful when he says that our God, our God, our Father, excuse me, who is in heaven. In other words, he's not limited. He's not walking around this little earth as a little limited individual. He's all places at once. His throne is set up in a heaven. He has all power for all authority. All, all understanding is his. The God that we serve is our dad. Our dad is all powerful. It would be just as easy to say it like this. My dad, who is all powerful, hallowed be thy name. My dad, who is all powerful. Who would you rather have as your dad than God himself? Would you rather have Steve Jobs? Would you rather have some presidential figure? Would you rather have some money person? The living God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-understanding, is your dad. And that's why Jesus says when you start to engage with him, engage him like this. Dad, who's all-powerful. Dad, who's all-powerful. In other words, I know that no matter what, you got the world in the palm of your hands. I know no matter what, you love me as though I am your most favorite child. See, you still struggle with that because of an orphan mentality and you have to get free from it. And I'm believing that today's message will awaken you to who your dad is and to the relationship he wants to have with you and some shifts that you need to make. First and foremost, you need to sell it right now. Is he your dad or not? If he's your dad, then stop acting like an orphan, act like a son, act like a daughter. Which brings me to my second piece, And that is, if you're going to engage the living God as your father, that you need to then come boldly into his presence. Come boldly into his presence. Look what Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 says. Let us therefore come boldly 
into his throne of grace. Come boldly. When you come here on a Sunday, when you're, when you're sitting at your house, when you're driving in your car and you put on a little worship music, you come boldly into his presence. Why? Because you're a son. You're a daughter. Come boldly into his presence. Some of you kind of like stand on the outskirts. We're in the middle of worship and you don't really know what to do. And the whole time you're thinking, man, I'm not good enough. I'm, 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 not, I'm not a good enough person. And you act like an orphan. You act like that orphan who's like, oh, father. If you, oh, sir, if you could just spare just, just a little drop of bread. I, I know I'm not worthy of it. I know I've sinned all throughout the week. And, and I know that I'm not a good person. But, but I do love you. And, and I know, but I know I'm not as good as, as that son over there or that daughter over there. But if you could just, just spare me just a little bit of blessing. Just a little bit. I, I, oh, oh, please, please. And that's that orphan mentality. Bible says, let's come boldly into the throne of grace. Daddy! Daddy! <laughs> my baby daughter the other day, I'm in the middle of a meeting in my office. All of a sudden, door flies open. Hey, Dad, I forgot something in here. I got to come get it. We're walking in. We're sitting there. <laughs> person I'm meeting with is like, uh, does this happen all the time? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know why she's bold in that? Because I'm her dad. She knows that's my dad right there. That's my dad. She, she, I'm not Pastor Adam. I'm dad. I'm not the boss of the staff. I'm dad. The God that you serve, who controls the hearts of presidents and kings, who tells the earth how to spin on its axis, who tells the sun to stay right there and commands that the moon stays where it's supposed to stay, that put into motion every plant life, every animal life, The God who says, oh, I don't think so. I'll throw some more stars over here and let them try to find that galaxy. That God is your dad. That's your dad. The science world may be blown away by him, but he's your dad. The financial world may go, but he's your dad. And until you get that, you will live your whole life like an orphan. You won't be able to worship. If he's my dad then I can come boldly into his presence. It doesn't matter. See, some of you, you carry your shame of disappointment into the presence of dad. One of the things that you'll notice about my kids, I will whip them, I will spank them, I will correct them, but they never leave my presence thinking that they're second rate because they're mine. I don't know if an earthly parent did that to you, but God the Father's not like that. Yes, he disciplines those he loves, But he loves you. And so some of you approach him as though you're not good enough and hoping that he might just look. "Mm, Today, you did five good things, three bad things. Come on in. And that's how you view him. That's crazy. You wouldn't do that with your own kids. Yes, you spank them when they're wrong. Yes, you discipline them because you don't want them to end up being a loser and go to jail the rest of their life, right? So you correct them so they, they won't be that person who cannot submit to authority, who don't know how to live their life right. But you don't correct them because you enjoy beating them or because they've disappointed you so much that, that you can ne- they can never have your love. And I'm sorry if someone in your life held back love and only gave you love when you were approved based on the things you did. That is not a real relationship. That is not a healthy relationship. That is not the relationship that God wants to have with you. That's not who he is. You're approved because you're his. All the time I ask my kids, why do I love you? All the time. Why do I love you? Because I'm yours. That's right. Because you're mine. Because you're a McCain kid. So I love you because you're my DNA. When I look at you, I see your mama. So I love you. Not because what you do or don't do. When you're, when you're, when you're acting disobediently, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix that. When you're acting obedient, I'm happy with that too. But you're mine. That's why I love you. Not based on your merit or on your performance. And some of you have brought dead religion into your relationship with the Father. And so you're like, am I good enough? Did I do right things? You, that's, that makes no sense to me. You should come here on a Sunday morning when we're worshiping. And you should walk boldly. Woo! Daddy, I'm here. I love you. Yeah, I tell you, you got some stuff you got to fix today. Boy, I messed it all up. But I love you. Come love on me. Makes no sense. Y'all standing there. Maybe I can get a crumb. I don't know. Maybe a little something. <laughs> Thank you. That is so weird. That's an orphan mentality. Here's a, 
third way, I want to teach you how to engage with your God as the Father. And that is, number three, you have to expect the Father's goodness. You've got to expect it. Some of you do not expect his goodness. And let me explain to you what Matthew chapter 7, verse 9 says. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, Jesus is not calling you evil like you're wicked, but as in human. You are naturally sinful. Even though you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you good gifts to those who ask him? How much more? You do that with your own kids, he says, and you're evil. You're human. You're limited. Father's not limited. He's not limited to nothing. How much more will he give? So you come many times into, your, into the presence of the Lord, or you approach God as though maybe, maybe, just maybe, fingers crossed, I hope this time he says yes. And I don't know if you got that from the way you were raised. I don't know if you got that from dead religion in places you've been. But I want you to understand, when you come into God's presence, when you engage with God as your father, you need to expect good things. He says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you. I have a plan to make you successful. And when you walk in to his presence, when you engage God from the place of an orphan, you cannot expect good things. But friend, you need to learn to expect good. He's got your best interest in mind. He is working on your behalf. Some of us approach God as though he has no intention of ever doing good to us. We approach him as though we just need another list of the things we got to fix. Okay. All right. I just, I tried the last 10, but... All right, bring on some more. I only got three of them right. I still hadn't gotten the marriage thing right, but all right, what else do I need to fix? And that's how you approach him. That's crazy. He's a good father. He is your dad. Settle it here and now. Know that he's got a good plan for your life. Embrace him. Embrace him for the God that he is, a good dad. Number four, here's the fourth thing that I would teach you. I already jumped ahead. Embrace all of his nature. Some people struggle in relationship with God as a father because they've only embraced a portion of his nature. If you came to my house in the moment, I don't spank, need to spank my kids anymore. They're at an age where we just punish and discipline and work like. But if you came in the moment where I was spanking one of my children and you videotaped that and you put that on Instagram and said, this is Adam McCain, that would be a misappropriation of who I am. That would be a moment where I needed to discipline my child. And you saw me whooping them, and they're crying, ah! And I'm intent. You say, look at that guy. That guy's evil. That guy's mean. If you extract God the Father and his nature, when he's telling the Israelites that he has, they have to destroy this other group of people, and you just extract that out and say, that's who he is. He's an evil God who kills babies, and he does that. Friend, what that is is an inappropriate experience, inappropriate, uh, you know, adding to who his nature is. That's just part of who he is. You don't even understand because we're limited. What God is working in that moment is if this group of evil people continue a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now, this will destroy all my workings of goodness in the earth. And so you look at it with limited understanding and you don't know his full nature. And what you have to do is know his full nature because not only is he a good, fair, just God, he's also a just God. He's also, he's not, he's not just, he's not just your, uh, your, your, uh, you know, your, your feel good coach he's also he's also the judge he's also he's also the one who holds the earth in the palm of the world in the palm of his hand and he sees from generation to generation you just know this generation this moment but he sees the hundreds and thousands of generations to come he's working something here that has effect 100 years from now 300 years from now and you're mad about this little thing because you don't know the fullness of his nature because you've extracted one little piece and said this is all he is that's all he is and he's looking at you going that that's not even an ounce of who i am I got to serve a little sweet lady named Frida Lindsay. Mom Lindsay, as we called her. She was the co-founder of Christ for the Nations. And Frida Lindsay had this habit. She read the Bible every day. And she had this little saying. If you'll read the Bible three chapters a day and five chapters on Sunday, you'll start that in January. And by December, you will have read through the entire Bible. Well, she did that every year for 72 years. For 72 years. So whenever we would get all excited and say, look what we found in the Bible. Look at this fresh new revelation. She'd go, yeah, 
Have you seen over in Hebrews that says something a little different? They're like, oh, yeah, but, 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 but. And she goes, yeah, but you don't see, because you haven't read through the whole thing over and over again. You just know a little bit of his nature and not the fullness of his nature. So it's hard to embrace a father that you won't embrace the fullness of his nature. And if you're still, as the kids call it, butthurt, because he disciplined you five years ago, and you've attached that to his nature, and that's all he is to you, because you haven't embraced the fullness of his nature. Because he's also kind and gentle, because you should have been dead ten years ago when you were acting a fool with them drugs and driving that car. You should have been, come on now, you and I know what we should have been. But grace on top of grace. And so that's why you have to embrace the fullness of his nature so that you can engage with him as dad. Dad, I love you, and I embrace, I embrace the discipline. I embrace that you know what I don't know. I'm okay with that because you're, you're all-seeing, all-knowing. I embrace that you're kind and gracious to me. I embrace that I have to be patient at times because you're working something over here, and I want it like a spoiled little kid. When are we going to Disney or 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 Disney or Disney or Disney or Disney or Disney World? And God's like, dear Jesus, would you help her? Why? Because we're not patient, but he has it all working together for the good of those who love the Lord. That's why you have to embrace the fullness of his nature. There's this beautiful passage in Matthew chapter 6, and I'll close or start the closing here. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 26. Read this with me. It's on the screens or have it in your Bible. It says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. They don't do nothing, and God feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're valuable. Turn to the person on the other side and say, no, you're really valuable. Now say of yourself, I'm the most valuable. Go ahead and say, say that. MVP right here. Are you not more valuable than them? They do not wake up and worry about what they're going to eat. The flowers do not strive to grow. Look at this grow. The birds do not Attack your house to find bread. God feeds them. Thank you for all the mosquitoes being eaten by all the birds. How much more valuable are you than they are? See, we don't realize how valuable we are. How much he wants us to be in relationship with him. He loves us so much and wants a relationship so bad that he spent the most valuable commodity of heaven to get us. The blood of his only son, Jesus Christ. That's how valuable you are. He loves you so much and wants a relationship with you and me so bad that he's been working things to get you to come to a church like this, to know this person over here who knew, who knew about God and, and started talking to you about He's been working those things because he wants a relationship with you because he wants to be the good dad that he is for you. Because he's angry that your other dad, Jesus called Satan the father of those who would not follow God the Father. That Satan has been pushing and driving you. And he's been doing that to get you away from God the Father. And God so loves you that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe would not perish but have eternal life with him. He is working on your behalf. You are valuable to him. Some of you know Pop. He's my dad. Pop's not my natural father. But God sent him into me and Mimi's life when I was somewhat younger. I'd already been through this thing in my childhood where I didn't think men were very good to me. And uh, Mimi was an amazing mom and, and as a single mom did so well with me. But when Pop came into my life, you know, the first, you'll ask him, the first time he, I met him, he does, if you've met Pop, first thing he does is try to squeeze you, right? Hey, he squeeze you. I punched him in the face. Get off of me, man. I don't know you. Isn't that true, Pop? That's true. And, uh, but Pop ended up marrying my mom, and, and the first year or so was really difficult for me because he's taking all the affection. It's all mine. I'm an only child. He's got my mama. You're not my daddy. Don't tell me what to do. I mean, I, we had some moments like that. But in eighth grade, I was on the junior high basketball team. 
at my school. And uh, Pop came a little early to pick me up. And uh, the coach that we had at that time was an idiot. He was. He was a mean man. He'd cuss you. He'd call you stupid. He'd embarrass you just to embarrass you. He wasn't a good coach. He, he walked in this arrogance to make you fear him. That was his tactic, make these kids fear him. Well, Pop came to practice. The practice went a little longer, so Pop's sitting on the bleachers. He, he kind of got in, and this coach zoomed in on me and started calling me a fool, calling me stupid, started embarrassing me. Next thing I know, I hear Pop go, oh, no, no. He walk, gets off off the bleachers. Come here, come here. Now, you know, Pop is all of about 5'6", right? And this man's about 6'5", you know, 250 pounds. Pop's like, come here, come here. And, and the coach was like, sir, you, so parents aren't, aren't allowed to be in, in the practices. He said, oh, no, 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 no. You're coming here, right? You will never speak to my boy like that. You understand me? You, and I'm, as an eighth grader, I'm like... Like, I will never play again. I mean, I'm going to be on the bench forever. And all my friends are like, oh, dude, oh, bro, oh, bro, oh, bro. And Pop, Pop puts him up against the wall and starts hitting him on the chest. You will not speak to my son. You will not have a job tomorrow if you keep acting like this. And this arrogant, this arrogant, bossy of a man, just a brutal man, all of a sudden begins to cower. To pop, you will not, you hear me, you'll not speak to my boy like that. And man, he goes, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir, I won't do that again. And Pop's like, Adam, let's go. And we get in the car, and there are two things were going on. First off, I was all wigged out, like I will never go back to the school ever a day in my life. So embarrassed. But something else happened in that moment. It was the first time a man ever defended me. First time a man stood up for me. First time a man put himself in jeopardy for me. Mom had done it every day, but a man had never done that. I want you to know God the Father puts himself in jeopardy every day for you. That he values you so much. He loves you so much. That he's defending you every day. Every day. He's like, oh no you don't. Oh no you will not. Oh, Get back Satan. Oh you will not. You will not. You will not cross this boundary. You will not go there. I will not allow it. Your father has your back. He knows what you have need of. And he's working on your behalf. But you and I got to get to the place where we embrace him as dad. And stop acting like he's the kid down the street's dad. We got to get to the place where we come boldly into his presence. Say, dad, I'm here. I know I don't always do right. but you're dead. And he's saying, shut up. I got that. Come here. Let me hold you, buddy. Come here, sweet love. Come sit in my lap. I love you. Call me Papa Daddy. Whatever you want to call me, I'm yours. I'm your daddy. We got to embrace the fullness of his nature. You, you keep standing in judgment of God the Father because you, you only know a little bit about his nature. There's so much more to him than what little bit you know. So much more. You can't come to church and hear a little message and think you know him. There's so much more to who he is. He's your dad. He's got your back. He's working on your behalf. You've got to learn to embrace him and how to engage with him. Because if you don't, you're going to stay like that little orphan. You're going to stay like that little guy who stands out right outside the window just looking in. And he's inviting you in. He's calling you son. He's calling you daughter. And you're like, no, I'm not good enough. No, I can't do that. No, you know what? I don't deserve that. I don't pray enough. Oh, you know, I'm not really a preacher. So I guess you love them more than everybody else. That's fooey. You are his son and his daughter. You need to embrace that now. Then start coming boldly into his presence. Every morning when you wake up, Dad, I love you. Thank you for loving me. How do we go about changing the world today, Dad? Dad, what do you have in store today? What would you like me to do? How, do, how, may, I, how may I push forward the family business today? Dad, I love you, and I know you love me. And when things happen that you're like, that's not right, you back up and you say, but I know you got a plan to get us through this because you're a good dad. I know you're defending me even though everyone at work is attacking me. I know that you've got this all figured out because I trust you because you are a good father. Would you stand with me all across the room today? I want to pray against the orphan spirit that's on some of you. I want to pray against the fear of not being good enough. I'm just... When I was up here last night late, just praying, I walk in every chair, every aisle, crying out to God. My prayer was this, oh God, 
set church on the hill free. Set church on the hill free from looking at you as a manager or a boss or the CEO. Let him see you for who you are, your dad. Our dad, who is all-powerful. Or as Jesus said it, our father who art in heaven. He's your dad. He's my dad. You're his favorite. I'm his favorite. He's big enough and grandiose enough for all of us to be his favorites. I want you to close your eyes right where you stand for a moment. I want you to repent for constantly only having conversations about how bad you are with God. I want you to repent of it right now. Stop it. I know I did this wrong and I know I did this and I'm sorry about this. I'm so- Stop it. That's an orphan mentality. I want you to, right here, right now, to commit to have a real relationship with God as your father, as a dad. I want you to commit right now that it's settled. He's your dad, therefore you're his son, you're his daughter. Sell it right now. I want you to begin to act different, think different. Your dad is the most powerful being in the universe. In the universes of universes. Time and space he holds in the palm of his hand. That's your dad. I want you to begin to picture in your mind coming boldly into his presence. Acting as though he wants you there waiting for you there. I want your prayer times to shift from a checkoff list to a sitting on your couch with the TV off just talking to him like he's your best friend. A good father. A dad who already knows you. Why do you want to go talk to everybody else to try to get them to know you? He knows you. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're going through. He knows the insecurities that you're facing. He also knows what you need to do. He also is working on your behalf. Doing it for you. Consider the lilies of the field. The birds of the air. They do not strive. Yet your heavenly father takes care of them. Aren't you much more valuable than they are? Stop devaluing yourself. Stop treating yourself as second hand. You're not the cheap one. You're not the leftovers. You're his son. You're his daughter. And you are valuable. You're the most valuable. Father, I pray right now in Jesus' name that this church, me, all of us would have a shift in our relationship with you. For those of us that have seen you as nothing more than the CEO, but we repent for not treating you like the dad that you are. For those of us who have limited understanding of your nature and we camp out on that one little revelation of a portion of who you are but we ask you now to expand us to see the fullness of your nature Lord we ask you now Lord God to deliver us from the fear that you don't accept us Lord we decide here and now to come boldly into your presence every day every evening every lunch shift every moment of the day as though we are walking hand in hand with you. Lord, I pray you'd shift the way we communicate with you. Shift our understanding. People fail because of ignorance, but knowledge is empowering. Lord, empower them with the knowledge of who you are, who they are, how much you know them and how much you want them to know you. For Lord, with that knowledge, the relationship can expand. If you keep your head bowed and your eye closed for a moment, Maybe the truth of the matter is you have no relationship with the living God. If you were to be honest, what would happen to you today if you were up at the intersection up the road, light turns green, and you go to pull out into the intersection and an 18-wheeler runs the red light the opposite direction, T-bones your vehicle, and you're immediately killed. As you stand before the living God, what will he say to you? Will he say, welcome, I've been waiting for this moment. Or will he look at you with tears coming down his cheek, saying, why didn't you? Why did you push me away? I had that little crazy preacher over at Church on the Hill. He spit, he yelled. 
just to get your attention, you'd push me away. Friend, don't push the Lord away today. If you're not right with the living God, if you're not a Christian, if you're away from God, maybe you say, Pastor, I used to be a Christian, but life happened and I really don't feel like I would go to heaven if I died. I don't feel like I have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you said a prayer when you were a kid. That don't give you a relationship. That starts a relationship. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor, what do I do? I, I don't have a relationship with you. I don't think I would go to heaven. Well, the Bible says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he will then forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. He'll make you his. You'll become a son and daughter by way of your profession, by way of your repentance. So today, I'd like to give you that opportunity. I don't want you to leave here not knowing if you're a Christian. I don't want you to leave here not having started a relationship with the living God or restored a relationship with the living God. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. I need to repent. I need to ask God to come into my life. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to point you out. I've got every head is bowed and every eye is closed. But you need to admit that to yourself and to heaven and to me as the pastor. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, say, Pastor, pray with me. I'm ready to make Jesus my Lord and Savior. Would you just acknowledge that by just lifting your hand up? Say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. It's time. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Pray for me. It's time, Pastor. I'm ready to make Jesus my Lord. Thank you. Amen. You can put it back down. God bless you. Anyone else? Pastor, pray for me. It's time. Yes, sweet love. Thank you. Amen. Okay. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thanks for your honesty. Two more seconds. Don't hesitate. Don't push him away. This is the moment. If God's dealing with your heart, respond quickly by just saying, yes, I want God in my life. Pray with me, Pastor. Is there anyone else? Amen. You can put your hands down. Now, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of dedication, a prayer of declaration that Jesus is my Lord. I don't think there's anything magical about the words. I think what's supernatural is that you said, yes, I need God. The words are just simply the period at the end of the sentence. Your heart has already turned towards him. Now, let's seal the relationship by commit, commitment prayer. Across the room, would you say that out loud with, alongside those who lifted their hands? I'd like everyone in the audience to pray out loud as well. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today... I admit I'm a sinner, but I ask you now to forgive me. Forgive me and cleanse me of my sin. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross, for making a way. Jesus, here and now, I declare you are my Lord and my Savior. I ask you now, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life, and I promise to serve you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I thank you for those who've cried out to you, who prayed that prayer with all sincerity. Lord, I thank you right now they'll feel the peace of God. The peace in knowing, you know what, I may not be perfect, but I am forgiven. You know what, I may make mistakes, but I'm, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. Lord God, I pray, Lord God, for a joy. Lord, the joy, the Bible calls it the joy of our salvation. Lord, the joy that, Lord God, that, that, that everything's been washed clean. That I got to control all delete. I got to start over. Like, Jesus has heard my cry of repentance and I got a fresh start. Lord, may that joy begin to bubble up inside of him. A giddiness. <laughs> oh, it's, been, it's, it's over. I, I'm right with the Lord and, and, and he's going to help me and he's going to carry me over the finish line. Father, I thank you that you've been gracious and kind to us today. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, that the fathers in this room, they're starting to understand your heart. This Father God loves us and wants us. And, and, and does everything that he can to have a relationship with us. So, Father, thank you for that. Lord, bless the people today in Jesus' name.